Hey, it's Nikki, and we're getting real today. Courtney Moorhead <laughs> Balaker about this movie, Little Pink House. It was one of those movies that I watched. I was feeling angry. I was feeling frustrated. And I love those movies that make you really feel something. I'm so happy to hear that it made you feel something because, you know, I, that was one of the intentions of making the films that we wanted to really put a human face um, on this thing that the film is about, which is essentially eminent domain abuse, which is really legalized bullying when the government and big corporations team up and, and you know, kick the little guy out. And that's exactly what happened in this case. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people were necessarily aware of before this case happened, because this is based on a true story. That's right. Yeah. I, I was not as familiar with the case. My husband and producing partner, Ted Balaker, had covered it when he was a journalist at ABC News. He actually remembers where he was specifically the day that the decision came out. Um, it, it, was, it was that profound of a, of a case for him. But um, I read a book called Little Pink House, the same title, um, and I was floored. I just could not believe this really happened. I couldn't believe that our just our, our Supreme Court justices uh, over, well, they, it was a close decision, but the majority voted that, yes, this is legal, that if the city be- believes that something can be built where your house stands that can create more tax revenue and jobs, then they can use eminent domain to kick you off of your property and essentially hand it over to another private entity. Eminent domain is usually supposed to be used for things like widening roads, building hospitals, something for public use. So that's why this decision was so outrageous, because most people realize that that's not what this is. It was literally handing the property over to a private developer so that they could build stuff that benefited Pfizer Corporation, which was on the other side of the river from her and her neighbors. And that doesn't even make sense to me. When you when you actually see what they developed and where it was located it doesn't make sense why they needed so much and why they took so much. Right. The funny thing is, and, and I, should, I should, you know, make it clear for the, the listeners who, who maybe aren't familiar, it's a it's Little Pink House. It's a narrative film. We, we decided not to make it a documentary. It's a narrative film that stars Catherine Keener as Suzette Kilo, who's the real woman that this happened to. Um, we, we, but we, it's a dramatization of, of the ordeal and the case, but it, we, we stuck to the facts. I mean, everything that you saw happen um, really happened. We just we kept it very close to the book. We, I used the actual Supreme Court transcripts during the Supreme Court scene. Um, but to answer your question, you know, initially, Pfizer, they didn't want to build in that area, New London, Connecticut, which at the time was, you know, it's a very blue-collar town. At the time, it was very economically depressed. They wanted to go someplace that was larger. Uh, there was this huge sewage, uh, old sewage facility that needed a big cleanup that was very expensive. They didn't want to have to pay for that. But the governor at the time in the city, they really wanted a rich company to come into this area to do those things like create create jobs and build stuff that, that's nice and shiny and fancy. The only problem is that the residents who lived on this piece of property, they would have needed to suffice what Pfizer wanted, didn't want to go. Um, so it didn't make sense. You're right. None of it made sense. But the, the city wanted it to happen. And Pfizer said, well, if we don't have to pay for this big sewage cleanup and we don't have to buy the land, we're getting stuff essentially for free. Well, why not? Free is better than spending money on all these things. So it really was It was a very complicated situation that the city and Pfizer thought would benefit them. But unfortunately, 
people like Suzette Keel and her neighbors who didn't have access to the powers that be. They're the ones that got pushed around. That's typically what happens in these cases. Yeah. And this my question really is, why did you decide to do it as a dramatization based on a true story rather than doing it in documentary style? Because I know you have a lot of experience doing documentaries. Yeah, well, my I've produced documentaries. My directing uh, background is mainly narrative. Um, but it's a great question because, you know, when you have a project like this that's based on a true story, you always have to make that decision. Like, what is going to serve the story best? What is going to tell it in the most clear and compelling way? I mean, the film is a moving picture art, so you have to find what is cinematic about this, whether it's a documentary or a narrative. And, and personally, I felt a narrative was the right decision to make. I think you, you get a broader, you get broader audiences, first of all, with, with narratives mm-hmm. as opposed to documentaries. But I really felt it was important to bring the audience into this woman's ordeal in a very intimate way. You know, there isn't footage of the real Suzette Kilo getting an eviction notice on her property and sitting with that and staring at it and saying, I'm being evicted off of, out of a property that I own or I'm being asked to pay rent on a property that I own. Like, those moments weren't on camera. So many of those moments weren't on camera. Mm-hmm. The time it took out of her life, the toll it took on her and her elderly neighbors, many of these people were elderly that were being kicked out of their homes. So I really felt that in order to immerse the audience in the, in the human side of this story, that could only really be achieved through dramatizing it. Well, and it turned out beautifully. I just love the... Thank you. I love the way that I was able to go along with the characters and I felt their frustration. And it was, you know, you you watch the whole movie and you're thinking, well, of course this is going to turn out. If you don't know the story, of course this is going to turn out in in their favor. Of course everything's going to turn out fine. Of course the little pink house is going to be standing at the end of this. And then if you you know the story, then... (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know what happens. And to me, I remember this happening, but only vaguely. So watching this was like, oh, okay, I kind of know what's going on, but I didn't know what was going to happen. And I felt that that frustration and the emotion that go along with it. And I love the fact that we start off just with Suzette's life, you know, what she's going Mm -hmm. through, leaving her husband and starting Mm -hmm. over and learning right off the bat her connection with this little pink house that it's so much more than just a house. Oh, I'm, well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that, that you got all of that and the, that those parts of the film connected with you because you're absolutely right. It, it, it's not just a house. And I think that anyone who, I think everyone can connect to this idea of a home. We, you know, most of us grew up in, in homes, even if you lived in many different places. Your home was where you, it should be your sanctuary. It should be where you feel safe and, and protected. And she was starting as you just mentioned, a new chapter of her life, leaving a bad marriage. Um, and she wanted, she wanted peace. She wanted her sanctuary. And she found this little cottage completely run down on a river called the Thames River in New London, Connecticut. And she fixed it up with her bare hands, painted it pink. And she just wanted to spend the rest of her life looking at the water. She had lived a very hard life. And little did she know that as she's opening this next, you know, beautiful chapter of her life, she was embarking upon the biggest battle of her life, a 10-year battle to save this. And so a home is not, and and there isn't a price tag associated with those feelings, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, some, some of these people that lived in her neighborhood were born in these homes, and it's the only home they had ever known and wanted to die in their homes. So what's 
what's the price tag on that? And who determines what that price tag is? Is it, should the city be able to determine that price tag? Should the government be able to determine that price tag? No, we should determine the price of what our value is. And so it was just, I think that that's why the decision really just shocked people. And, and, but, you know, I have to also say that, you know, part of this story and part of the reasons I had to tell the story was I was just so inspired by her determination Mm -hmm. and she just the strength and the persistence that she did not want to, to use. I mean, she didn't want to be the, she didn't want to be, you know, the name of a, of an infamous Supreme court decision. She didn't want to be the face of a, of a movement, but she knew she had to do it because it was the right thing to do. It was the principal thing to do. And Watching stories, I think especially about women, about women who, you know, don't have a lot, but they muster something within them to do what seems inevitable, which is just to stand up and fight for what is right. And I think that those stories are so important because it shows people that you can do it, that this is possible to endure if it is for the right thing. Absolutely. And one of the things, one of the scenes in the movie that really caught me was when she was talking to the realtor and she said, I like your locket. (laughs) And she explained that it was an heirloom. And she asked, so how much can I buy it for? 500? 1,000? That moment was just so gold because that's the point where you realize that this is not, and this is the part where, where the realtor realized that this is not just a house. That right. it's, it's so much more than that. And I am as connected to my house as you are that locket. So now it's time to leave me alone. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what that scene was about. Yes, and it goes back to that idea of subjective value, right? Mm-hmm. So who's defining their value? And I believe individuals should be able to define what their locket costs or their home or their car or their their art. You know, I I, I think that everybody would agree that, that is a very personal thing. And when you have strangers coming into your life and saying, nope, this is what it's worth. Here you go. It's offensive. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying, really, that, um, that that's just their, their point of view. No, we actually know better, what's better than you do for your life or for your property. And that really freaked me out just mm-hmm. as, a, you know, as, a, as a person. And, but as a filmmaker, I just, you know, that these are important, you know, lessons to be learned from, watching this happen and and such a big scale as it did with her going all the way to the United States Supreme Court and then the justice is saying yes that's okay to do yeah you're not important this isn't important your connections to your the things that you love are not important and that's the Uh the real thing the real stunner in this is the the people who are supposed to be fighting for us and protecting us the government are coming back and saying no you don't matter yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, this decision came out in 2005, so it's been about 13 years since it happened. But, I mean, look at where we are today, and I think what resonates with people, you know, we, we were in the, we've been in theater since April. We've played in about 100 cities and, and growing. We're, uh, we're available on DVD and VOD tomorrow, July 24th, um, iTunes, Amazon. But all the screenings that I have attended and all the Q&As I've, I've been on, I think what resonates is what you just described, like, it's this feeling of being pushed around, mm-hmm. somebody telling you what is best for you. We're adults. Mm-hmm. We're not children. Yeah. And as long as we're lead, leading peaceful, responsible lives, 
why do we have people coming in, pushing us around, telling us what to do, telling us what's best for us? And I think a lot of people feel that way. It's not, and it's not about politics, really. It's not even like a political party or political lines. I think that it's just kind of where, we, where we're at now as, as a society in, in this country. I think a lot of people feel that, that frustration. And that, that's, that's, that's a theme in the film, too, that I'm really glad you picked up on. And, um, and I think that that's, you know, I hope that that changes. I hope that we don't feel that way a year from now, five years from now. But that it's something that we all have to face and, and, and realize it is happening. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that you did a great job with this film in portraying that. And I know that sometimes when you, people go in to watch the, you know, based on a true story movies, they think that there's too much dramatization. Like, oh, well, this stuff didn't really happen. They're just doing that to right. make it more exciting. But this right. pretty much follows along with the story. And I love that about this. It really stays true to the story. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those stories where I, I didn't have to make anything up. The, 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 rea- <laughs> the reality was shocking and, and frustrating on its own. It was really just a matter of depicting it. Well, you can, you can watch it video on demand starting tomorrow, July 24th. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about this. Courtney moorhead Balaker. thank you for making this movie and thank you so much for sharing it with us. Oh, Nikki, thanks so much for the support and for having me on.